We here at the Fumbling Four Network take mental health very serious. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. If you don't like talking on the phone, you can text or start an online chat. Once again, the number is 1-800-273-8255. Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast, the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Something that might interest you. <laughs> well, welcome back to the Resident Evil Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron. And joining me, as always, is my fellow hosts, Ariel. Yup. And Daniel. Bye there. <laughs> so, uh, what's today's topic of toast? Butter or no? <laughs> always yes, butter always next Ooh, topic like cinnamon butter mm. no it should be gouda cheese garlic butter is good garlic butter and gouda cheese it's a gouda no, sandwich nobody asked you it's a very gouda sandwich <laughs> no we're here to talk about uh discussion episode on final chapter final chapter of what of these fucking movies <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what the title is. Uh, Resident Evil Final Chapter. Are you happy now? Yes, a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, I guess we got to go over characters and BOWs first, though, right? Yep. All right. So, uh, I leave it to Daniel to talk characters. Are we sure? I mean, okay, if Daniel <laughs> wants to talk about the characters, that's fine with me. Well, too. hey, my characters are, are B.O.W.s. <laughs> I'll give you the actual people characters. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Go ahead and talk B.O.W.s. Okay. So at holiday season, they come in different colors. I like the red ones. All right. Now that Aaron is thoroughly disgusted. So in this, we have the zombies, which they're much like the zombies of the previous movies. Some are a little quicker, and some exhibit the Magini traits as they slowly have worked in towards these last few movies. Then you also have the Cerberus, which they are making a reappearance from way in the past to now. And then the Magini version can open their mouths. Or I should say also the Plogus version, I guess. Uh, their skin is more desiccated and some of their mouths are similar to the Machini version. <laughs> then we also have the unknown one that was inside the base, which is being deemed bloodshot. Yeah. Like from Resident Evil 6. Storable damage resistant by a weapon that was located in the depths of the hive. It has a light photosensitivity and something like infrared vision. And two seconds of screen time. <laughs> it had more than two. Not much more, but it had two. <laughs> then we have the Capepio. The one that Aaron always laughs at. And they are typically truck-sized or larger. This is the creature that we saw at the beginning that could fly. 
It has many wings and a demonic-looking horned head. It also has a small pair of insect-like legs, and they are... They're for combat and not supporting its body, because its body is way larger than those legs could hold. They also have pincer-like claws on the lower half of their body. Also, in the novelization, they have lower spines that can mutate the victim into a mutant that looks like a mass of tentacles that is featureless. Why? <laughs> it's the novelization. You gotta add detail. Capepio turns other creatures into hentai... <laughs> <laughs> you went the wrong, wrong, wrong direction there. But... It's more like the zombies themselves, T-virus infected individuals, as opposed to like, it wouldn't, as far as I know, it wouldn't infect like liquors or hunters, anything like that. It'd be more like your zombies. That aren't zombies. That's good because I don't want a tentacle liquor. <laughs> it already has. <laughs> has a terrible enough thing there. Uh, and then another one from the novelization is the melange, I believe is how it's pronounced because it's, I believe, a French word. Um, it is an amoeba-like creature made of tentacles. So this is basically the after effect of the Capepio. So it absorbs biological material it comes in contact with, both living and dead. After about 15 minutes, the fragile creature then perishes, as it cannot sustain itself for very long. So, also... Key things about this is supposedly this is what killed Jill in the novelization during the Washington attack. She was absorbed. I like how we can't talk about or Capcom doesn't want main characters dead in the movies, but it's okay to kill them in the novels. Well, I mean, she technically died in the movie. We just didn't see it. Yeah, because Capcom was like, no, 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 no. That's mostly what I have on the BOWs for more BOWs come around holiday time. All right. So what do we got for characters? Hopefully they give us uh, blood types. They don't. Probably. They don't. It's Ugh. been so long since I've had blood Maybe types. Maybe you just need to start these. making blood types up for the newer stuff. I'm going to do that. Let's go. All right. So... Like I promised, my first one is Wesker. Blood type O negative because he is just a negative person. <laughs> I actually think we talked about uh, Wesker's blood type a long time ago. Probably in like one. <laughs> yeah, it's so long ago I can't remember. So Wesker was a senior official within the Umbrella Corporation, initially serving as the muscle for Dr. Isaacs. Wesker became instrumental in the day-to-day -day operations of the company during the T-virus pandemic, in which he ran as chairman on behalf of the cryogenically preserved leadership. So this is why Wesker kind of seemed like he was in control before the final chapter. He infected himself with the T-virus around four years into the pandemic, following a threat to his life by Alice. These mutations served him well, though he was bested in the hive when the Red Queen security system hurt his widow wig. <laughs> S 
<laughs> you mean his uh, shining boy moment was stolen from him by a leg off. <sighs> Get out. So I'm going to go into a little bit of the history before the apocalypse for our boy Wesker here in the Paul Anderson movies. In 1995, Wesker was hired by Umbrella, and for years he worked as loyal minion to Isaacs. Wesker faithfully carried out his tasks without so much as a complaint. When James Marcus learned that the T-Virus had the side effect of reanimating the dead into the undead, he wished to cease production of the T-Virus. But on Isaac's order, Wesker... I still don't agree with this. Wrapped a plastic bag around his head and killed him. That's just not... I don't know. Anyways. So Isaacs then held a meeting with the Umbrella Board of Directors, getting them to back his warped plan to save the Earth's resources and a Noah's Ark reboot. The T-Virus would be released, killing those not allied with Umbrella. While Isaacs... Alicia Marcus and the Umbrella High Command were put into cryostasis and the Hive Wesker was made the chairman of Umbrella. So then, the, you know, the T-Virus pandemic happened. And Wesker charged a clone of Dr. Isaacs with finding a way to domesticate the undead so Umbrella could return to the surface. And at the same time, he had Umbrella Prime simulations used to understand the mutations. So Project Alice remained at large after escaping the Detroit facility. Without her, the only person who didn't lose her sense of self to the T-virus. Progress was slow. Wesker resided in the Umbrella Corporation HQ in Tokyo, and within five years of waiting for results from the clone, Wesker was beginning to lose his patience. Wesker also maintained contact with another clone of Dr. Isaacs, who was busy with destroying human settlements by leading the undead to them and using umbrella tanks to aid in the destruction of the defenses. So that's a little bit of the history there. The rest about Wesker is what he does in the movies, which we've already discussed. So there's our boy Wesker. You ready for the next one? Let's go. Let's talk Doc. Oh, Doc is definitely an AB. A little bitch. <laughs> That's ALB. Yeah. No, whatever. <laughs> well, then we'll just say a bitch. Yeah, Doc was a dick. Doc's a bitch. <laughs> so anyways, AB Doc. positive. Sorry. Anyways, Doc is an informant of the Umbrella Corporation, was sent by his superiors to keep track of survivors in Raccoon City. His knowledge about medicine, as well as his kind and likable personality, helped him climb up the ranks and become a leader of a large group of survivors holding up in Raccoon City, with his comrades unaware of his duplicious nature. He then, like, you know, begins a relationship with Claire... And they both become leaders of the group together. Then you find out he's traitor. At the end of the movie. 
And Claire gets her sweet revenge by shooting him in the head, which was poetic justice. You live like a bitch, you die like a bitch. Amy <laughs> positive. Rest my case. Well, next is Michael, aka Razor, who appears to be one of the few remaining uninfected humans in the 10th year of the pandemic. He's part of Doc's team as Doc's second in command and looks to keep him alive. And Razor unfortunately dies when him and Alice were thrown into the abandoned lab and gets his head torn off by the BOW. Bloodshot. Yup. <laughs> So, in the novelization of the film, Michael wasn't decapitated by the B.O.W. Instead, most of his flesh is ripped clean from his head, causing him to scream out as he grasped at his skull. See, that would have been a way better kill. <laughs> before dying from shock and blood loss. It would have been a way better kill. <laughs> Could you imagine? I mean, it's really gross, but it kind of would have been cool to see it on the movie, <laughs> still sounds really gross. I mean, Silent Hill kind of did it. Let's say Silent Hill did it. and We just watched Evil Dead Rising, and she got freaking, like, filleted. scalped. Ugh. Yeah. And Silent Hill did a full body flay. Yeah. Ugh, gross. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that one was gross. I know. The big wet sound is the Friggin' flesh gets. <laughs> we know uh, movies are capable of it, mm. and you'll never forget that scene. Nope. Ugh. Ugh. So the next one I have is Abigail. I'm waiting for a blood type for Abigail. Is Abigail the just one? Go, just go with A B because her name is Abigail. A B. <laughs> no, because we've established A B stands for a bitch. Abigail's blood type. Is O positive because she is OG positive. I already don't like your blood type <laughs> scale. So Abigail is in the group of survivors led by Doc and Claire. She states that prior to the outbreak, her father owned a chop shop, which she hated, but that she picked up her skills as a mechanic from him, which later proved very helpful. And Abigail is the one, unfortunately, that gets sucked into the fan and gets chopped up into, you know, nothing but blood. Killed my girl. I was rooting for her. I was hoping it was going to be her, Claire, and Alice at the end standing tall because oh. she was a straight G. You know very well that Paul Anderson only leaves the main characters. Because he's a dick. <laughs> All right, next I got Christian. So uh, Christian was uh, AB negative because I thought he was a bitch, but it turned out he wasn't. He's a good dude. <laughs> <laughs> so Christian was another one in the group in Raccoon City, and his skill with weapons, including his signature sword, made him a valuable asset to the group, although his temper and desire to lead put him at odds with them. A bitch. 
So, and although he doesn't trust anybody, he's selfless at heart and would give his life to save his fellow survivors. And he dies from the Cerberus when they are heading to the hive's entrance. Which sucks because then he becomes this weird zombie. Aren't they all weird? He was weirder. <clears throat> Oddly agile. <laughs> now he's Pancake. Pancake. That's that's his zombie name is Pancake. Squish. Okay, so the next one I'm going to go over is Cobalt. Got one for her. A positive. She is a A positive personality. Okay. <laughs> So she is also another member of Doc's little entourage there. And she is a guard stationed at the building that they're in, Raccoon City. And she was a minor character. And is proficient with weapons. And is one of the people brave enough to help defend her home from the army of dead. And although she... Puts up a good fight trying to barricade. She ends up getting pulled from her position to the side and getting bitten in the neck. Which kills her instantly. Like at the fucking beginning of the movie. God. <laughs> I really thought she was going to be our new Kmart. So the next one I'm going to go into is James Marcus. Be positive, because I'm positive that he died. Oh, he's very much dead. Oh, yes. By a plastic bag. By a plastic bag. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. And James Marcus was a virologist and one of the founding member and the founding member of the Umbrella Corporation, along with Isaacs. He had discovered the T-virus in his attempt to save his daughter Alicia from progeria. And with the virus successful, his partnership with Isaacs in creating Umbrella led to the virus being used as a treatment for other conditions. However, it was discovered too late that the virus was capable of reanimating the bodies of people using the treatment and turning them into violent cannibalistic people called undead or, you know, zombies. And the incident was covered up by Isaacs. And, you know, he put up a fight about getting it shut down, but then, you know, was... Killed by Wesker with a plastic bag. Most deadly tool in the Resident Evil universe. A plastic bag. It's going to be one of the newer games. (laughs) Even if it's an Easter egg. (laughs) I hope in in Resident Evil 9, just a plastic bag just comes tumbling across. It says Wesker's bag. (laughs) God. And, yep. That is all my characters, because the other ones, like Emaciated Woman and, you know, Commander Crunch. <laughs> Just, you know. Commander Crunch. He leads the army of, uh, that derived from the Crunch Factory. <laughs> Commander Crunch. Well, with uh, characters out of the way, I guess it's time for us to go to a mid-break. And when we come back, 
Time for discussion. But here we are, middle of the show, Ariel. Yep. <sighs> what do we do in the middle of the show, Ariel? We thank our patrons. <laughs> We do, Ariel, such as our VIP patrons, Oracle, Barry King, Cerberus91, Chaotic Kia, Chris Slate, Dead Dog 47. And then we have Glenn Meeks, Jay Zoobs, Jeremy Kelly, Legalize Queso. I think they've already done that. Legalizing cheese. Legalizing cheese. Nope, it's our legal. <laughs> Lord Salazar, Mystery Bemo, Naked Mango, Star Power Bitches. The Compound, The Pumpkin King, The Seven Sins, and William Jackson. And we have all our all-access patrons to thank. Antique to Gen Z, Donnie Shanks, Edward Parks, Remington Cloutier. And of course, our official patrons. Quattro Hawkes, Ryan Black, Santa B72, and some random guy. So thank you, patrons. I'm still stuck on you calling Lord Salazar Lord Salazar. <gasps> I meant Lord Salad Bar. <laughs> I already messed up one name, so I couldn't justifiably say another one wrong. I think you just forgot. Yeah, he forgot. I did forget about the message. No, calling him Lord yeah. Salad Bar. Uh, okay. Whatever. Thanks to our patrons for allowing us to do this <laughs> and be stupid and mispronounce your names. We love you. <laughs> Yes, Aaron does indeed butcher the English language. As uh, any language. So, yeah, any language, but <laughs> I have no first language. It's all jargon. And if it was jargon, you'd be able to pronounce it correctly. No, no, I think it'd still be butchered. Mm-hmm. Do you even know what jargon means? Nope. I just remember jargon von Strangle from uh, Fairly Odd Parents. <laughs> Jargon is like terminology for like specified field related things. So, like, like a lure test. (laughs) Anyway, thank you, patrons. (laughs) I'm done. I'm just, I'm done with you. Me or him? Both. But anyways, yes, thank you, patrons. We do greatly appreciate it. And we greatly appreciate you listeners as well. Because without you, we wouldn't have a show where Aaron gets to butcher everything. Yeah. (laughs) So with that being said, Daniel, what did you bring for the mid-break? Well, apparently I learned how to read recently. What? And I have great news for everybody. No one say anything. Keep your opinions to yourself, Aaron and Ariel. <laughs> I don't know. I'm you gotta be neutral on this. You gotta be neutral. Mm, I'll try. So apparently on xfire.com, uh, they have released an article. This was as of May 31st, 2023, that Welcome to Raccoon City is reportedly getting a sequel. Excellent. Okay. I just wanted all the listeners to know. And even starts out with, given the history of disappointing film adaptations, Resident Evil fans have learned not to set high expectations for potential live-action films. Okay. So then further down, it's 
also so it's a, reports suggest that the sequel to 2020, 2021 action horror film which received really a lot of negative criticism from both critics and audiences is currently being developed and if that's not surprising enough the government has also vested interest in this project <laughs> so it could be a front for an actual virus company or recruiting for the u.s military <laughs> well no no i don't believe it's the u.s military i believe this is actually canada a Canadian government has shown interest? Yeah, because it says, according to Sudbury.com, or Sudbury.com, uh, the greater Sudbury area will receive $11 million in funding from the provincial government. And it says, it will come through the Northern Ontario Heritage Fund, Fund, Heritage Fund Corporation, which aims to support various local initiatives. So it's probably more because it's being filmed in the local area, yeah. I would say, instead of it actually being... Like the film itself. Well, something good's coming out of it. So right now the project is titled Umbrella Chronicles. And it's, it's slated to receive $2 million in financial support alone. It's held by Raccoon HG Film Productions. Same company responsible for overseeing the production of Resident Evil Raccoon. Welcome to Raccoon City. And while it still remains scarce with the information, fans of the franchise will immediately recognize the title Umbrella Chronicles from the 2007 Capcom game. So whether it's going to be off like that game or not, we'll see. I have mixed reviews on it myself. You told me to keep my opinions. To yes, I was just saying so. I had mixed reviews. Well, I'm, I have an opinion. I don't like this change that Daniel brought an article and not merchandise. <laughs> this was not approved by me. It also states in this article, I want to bring this up, that in contrast to Paul Anderson's movies, which introduced the original character Alice, uh, it says, Welcome to Raccoon City stayed true to the source material. And this is what they say in the article by focusing on the established characters from the game series, such as Leon Kennedy, Joe Valentine, and Claire and Chris Redfield. So that's why they state that Welcome to Raccoon City stayed true to the franchise. Because it didn't add new characters, it just kept the old ones. According to this article <laughs> by xfire.com for Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City is reporting, reportedly getting a sequel. Ariel will have that in there if you want to read more yourself on this. So Ariel, what I heard in all of that is and the only thing you need to stay true to the Resident Evil franchise is to add a bunch of characters into whatever story you're telling. I am keeping my opinion to myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we'll review that movie soon enough and then Ariel will give you a great lot of her opinions. If you want to hear our honest opinions, you can go to Patreon and it's a bonus episode. The review we're going to do here is neutral. I don't know about that. Just <laughs> so wait and see. <laughs> uh, well, with that being said, Ariel, what'd you bring? I read an article, much like I always do. I won't keep my opinions to myself. Oh, this one. I don't care. <laughs> This is pretty cool, though. Resident Evil's OG Chris Redfield returns to games after 27 years. 
and this is on PC Games. So, 27 years after his defining role in the Capcom survival horror game, Kravzlowski returns to our PCs in the upcoming RE homage, Daymare 1994. The square jaw, the steely stare, the beautiful dubbing of no, don't go, Kravzlowski is literally the first person we ever see in the whole Resident Evil series thanks to that wonderful pre-main menu scene where he's attacked in one of the mansion corridors. Emerging back into the gaming scene over the last few years, here's where he's taken part in regular interviews about the first RE, and also participated in live streams and panels with the original actors behind Albert Wesker and Barry Burton. Kraslovsky is now set to star in his first video game since Resident Evil. Daymare 1994 is the upcoming prequel to Daymare 1998, the third-person survival horror which, funnily enough, began life as a fan-made remake of Resident Evil 2. Kraslovsky confirms he's doing voice work for the horror game, which launches Tuesday, August 29th. Ooh. So, yeah. If you are interested in that, look forward to that in August. I will have a link for this in the show notes. Well, are you ready for what I brought? No. No? You don't want to see my awesome thing that I brought? Sure. (laughs) Well, I brought merch since Daniel failed. (laughs) One time, Aaron. One time. It was one time. Uh, I am bringing from Funky Style 7 on Etsy some wonderful high top RE4 custom sneakers. Yeah, they're pretty cool. So uh, these sneakers depict a uh, image of Leon and none other than the Doc, Mr. Chainsaw Man himself. Uh, they depict them. I think this might have been one of like the images used for advertisements probably but uh nonetheless it's our boy leon from re4 posing to start shooting and these are lovely 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 sneakers uh you get to choose in a range of different sizes from kid size five uh all the way up to it looks like 14 men's US and 13 women's US. And you also get to choose your tongue color. You can also get a black or a white tongue for these shoes. The price $70.45. <laughs> Just for your Ariel. So yeah, if you want to get those, uh, you could click the link in the show notes below or go to Etsy and look for the creator, Funky Style 7. So that's all I got. That's it for the mid-break, right, Ariel? Yeah. Yep. Except for where I talk about our sponsor. (gasps) Who be that? Well, just roll on over to Fanroll Dice. Use our promo code, AlmightyC10, which is A-L-L, Mighty, the letter C, 
and 10. And save yourself 10% off a set of dice or dice bag or dice tray or dice tower or all dice accessories. And they have a bunch of different types of dice to choose from, like resin, metal, gemstone, etc. Yeah. Go do it. Go do it now. Save yourself 10% off. So, uh, Ariel, we got a new sponsor. Oh, yeah? Yeah. In addition to Fan Roll, we have a new sponsor. Uh, you know how Resident Evil games have come to the Nintendo Switch? Yeah. Y- you remember when they were on the GameCube? Yeah. What if I told you you can have a GameCube controller for your Nintendo Switch? Meh. Meh? Meh. <laughs> well, unlike Ariel, I was excited to find this out. <laughs> so, our new sponsor is none other than Nixie Game. So, if you go to NixieGame.com, they have a slew of things to choose for your Nintendo Switch, ranging from some cool, glowy uh, RGB controllers to the wonderful new Nixie Wizard controllers, which are none other than the GameCube controllers remade for the Nintendo Switch. They are mountable, wireless, and the buttons are interchangeable, so you don't have to worry about stick drift. So if you are interested, go to NixieGame.com, and while you're there, use our promo code LOZLORE, and you can get yourself 10% off that one as well. And if anybody is confused, it is literally L-O-Z-L-O-R-E not L-U-R-E lore not lure (sighs) but yeah so that's our new sponsor there too so that's another one you'll have to rattle off from now on Ariel you don't pay me enough for this (laughs) you don't pay me anything at all well that is officially the end of the mid break so let's go talk some final chapter The final chapter. You're welcome, everyone at home, for that loud piercing noise. Probably should have had Ampersand do it. Ah, mm. uh, so here we are, the end of the episode. It's awful ending here. <laughs> See, it works. We're gonna talk shop now about final chapter. Talk shop. Like, mm-hmm. are we gonna go shopping? No, nope, we're not gonna go shopping. Auto shop or wood shit. shop, something like that. You shop on Wish. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, what do you want to talk about? Shopping, because I would like to spend some money. About Resident Evil. I would like to spend some money on Resident Evil. God damn it! All right, all right. Well. Where do we start? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Let's start um, with the fact that everyone was dead, but not dead. I know. I love in the movie how they don't explain it. In the book, they really go in depth. To an extent. Yeah, well, to to more of an extent than the movie. I mean, books usually do, but... You know, it would have taken like five seconds for Ellis to be in her like little monologue thing and being like, 
everybody died. <laughs> now I'm sad. Give us quick snippets. My name is Alice. Everyone died. <laughs> I'm the last survivor. It's been eight years, and I'm still just now leaving Washington. Yeah, I don't know how the fuck that panned out either. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, if they would have just made the final chapter, like, the showdown the White House, that would have been pretty cool. <laughs> Hell yeah. Turns out the hive is underneath the White, White House. House. <laughs> hey, you make jokes, but we've seen this before. Yeah, they kind of had, like, a little underground thing to, you know, lead there. It's just connected to the presidential bunker. <laughs> what a twist. Yeah, that was pretty stupid. I will say, though, badass getaway scene. With the, you know, roof on and off and on and off and on and off. It's what? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else noticed that. But the roof kept going on, off, on, off, on, off of the car. <laughs> I think that's just how BSAA vehicles work. No, <laughs> it's like <laughs> they regenerate the roofs. Mm -hmm. It's like, am I a convertible? I am a convertible. I'm not a convertible. <laughs> I am again. <laughs> the landmine got me though, blowing out the front window like it wasn't going to affect her at all. That is a concussive blast. Most of it goes that way. But it still has a blast radius. No, she's protected. Yeah, you forget the strongest armor. thing that's in movies, books, video games is the plot armor. Mm. Until it runs out. Oh, you mean like Wesker's plot armor? He might not have had plot armor. He might have had something similar, mm. but. <laughs> ah, my leg. My leg. <laughs> SpongeBob. Uh. Okay, so uh, moving on from all that, how did you guys feel about her solar-powered car? Meh. I mean, it was cool, I guess. Cars don't last long in this, so. I mean, they did it before in the third one with the van. I mean, yes, they did do it before, but what I was getting at with this one is the fact that they actually did it to an electric vehicle this time. <laughs> well, I would think that then that makes it easier. It does. But it didn't. It's not very fucking fast car. <laughs> and she's on a time constraint. Maybe they took out all the non-essential parts. Oh. And it got faster. And magically the car now has plot armor up until yes. it doesn't. Speed becomes a plot armor now. <laughs> Vroom, vroom, bitches. <laughs> I'm going to find the definition of plot armor. If there is not one, I'm going to make it. It's going to be a... Just I'm going to wiki change plot armor. Oh, my God. Well, the reason I asked about the car was because it brings us to the motorcycle. Okay, plot armor. Used to refer to the phenomenon in fiction, whereby the main character is allowed to survive dangerous situations because they are needed for the plot to continue. That is plot armor. Ting. Well, she did survive, so I guess. They used it in a sentence, too. 
I do think that he can't die since the inevitable plot armor is far too thick. Now that we know what the definition of plot armor is, uh, can we talk about the fact that the motorcycle was obvious plot armor in the opposite direction? Where she couldn't use it? Yeah, wasn't that a pretty fucking obvious trap? <laughs> well, she didn't find out till after she went to use it. Yes, because random umbrella motorcycles are just sitting on the fucking highway. Brand new and mint condition. Well, I don't know. Did it have the umbrella logo before she even got on it? Mm-hmm. Big shiny umbrella logo. But either way, I don't think she would have known the capability that it, it could have shocked her. Because we haven't seen all the tech umbrellas had. I mean, we know that they've got the AI, but how do we know that any of their motorcycles have, like, um, handprint operation or anything like that? Okay, but for, what, 10 years, Ariel? They solely made the motorcycle with the whole handprint thing because they needed to knock her out as many times as possible in this movie. Like she was knocked out, what, four or five times in this movie? <laughs> she was. Like, to be honest, it was like, she did something, got knocked out. Did something else, got knocked out. Hey, by the way, she got knocked out again. Sweet. Oh, but one more time. Knockout. So my question is then, story-wise, this isn't movie-wise, but the story for it, theoretically, are you saying that there are multiple motorcycles along this stretch of road all positioned <laughs> in the, the chance that she stops or gets caught in a trap in this position, you know? What happens if she wouldn't have stopped at that motorcycle and she would have just proceeded forward, you know, a couple miles down the road? Look, a similar overpass and another motorcycle. No, oh, precisely. <laughs> they just have blockade points set up so she just takes one of them. In case she stops here, here's this one. In case she stops here, here's another one. Yeah, it's just a group of umbrella soldiers hiding. It was always a trash can. Same spot, every place. <laughs> Motorcycles positioned the same way. It looks like she's in an alternate reality now. She's not in the Prime Universe anymore. <laughs> Welcome to the Twilight Zone. I'm going with that, that there was plenty of motorcycles along the road now that that just makes it worse because she would have noticed those and went, hmm, kind of fishy. I mean, to be honest, though, they were tracking our movements anyway, so they knew exactly where to go. But then the question, too, with the motorcycle, is the motorcycle that was with the tank the same motorcycle or just a completely different? I think it was like the same type, but two different ones. Yeah, I just wondered because I was like, I mean, it could have conveniently been the same one. You never know because it's whoever works for Umbrella could have used the motorcycle. Yeah, I think I think it was two different motorcycles. Same type, but two different ones. Have to see if there was like a number on the side of it somewhere. Like, you know, sometimes zero, they, zero, one, zero, zero, two. Yeah. There's probably something there that we didn't notice. Can we talk about Dr. Isaacs being a religious nut? A zealot? Is zealot, yeah. yeah. So I was thinking a religious zealot. <laughs> I, it, yeah. I kind of like that. Because it gave him a different, you have all these clones. You have so many fucking clones of Isaacs. But they're all unique in their own, you know, little way. And I like that because you could tell them apart. <laughs> well, because we saw, I would say the one that became the, the original tyrant 
was like this a scientist. Then you've got the religious zealot, and I would say the one in, that is mainly in final chapter is more just a corporate guy. I know he ended up um, changing himself a little bit to f- be able to fight her, but I don't think he was really a scientist. I think, I think he, he was, was just more a dick. Yeah, like a corporate corporate asshole. Yeah, I don't think he was like the original that we saw in three. Fucking corpos. He was, like he's the definition of a cyber psycho. He really because was. Because he had cybernetic enhancements to, you know, he's a cyber psycho. Thrown out to Artel Sorian right there. Ahead of time. Mm-hmm. He really was. You know what? That is the first thing I thought of when he was like, there's no way you'll get to those. It's like, you fucking cyber psycho. Uh, can we talk about how he didn't give any of those cool upgrades to Wesker? Why would he? Because Wesker was supposed to be in charge of everything and had to infect himself with the T-virus to be on another level of Alice. I think he infected himself with the T-virus after the um, helicopter explosion. So he wouldn't die. And they've gone back and forth with leadership as far as Wesker goes. I I don't know. With... Mm. How they did that. Because remember, he charged, not in charge. In charge, not in charge. Well, yeah, they left him. They were like, we're going to be safe and sound in these cryotanks. Uh, You be in charge of everything out here while we're, you know, safe. Left Wesker with the dirty work. How how did he not get bitter after that and just disconnect their tanks and let them die in there? Because he's a good little soldier boy in this. (laughs) This No complaining. No, this is not my Wesker. No complaining. When you said that, no complaining. I'm sitting here going, that is not Wesker. He would have called them bitches right off the bat. Murdered them all. Wesker would have put a black plastic bag over their heads. <laughs> Just a bag over like the tank entrance. Or not the tank entrance, the like little viewport. This will work. Yeah. <laughs> It does it because it's just a plastic bag against it. <laughs> he disconnects the oxygen hoses and just puts bags over them. <laughs> Wesker style. Found these at the store because they're not using them. <laughs> I, don't, I can't. Uh, okay. Now we're at this point. Can we just talk about how Alice was convinced that Isaacs was going to destroy the antivirus. But never once stopped to think, oh, if he does that, then his whole Noah's Ark thing ceases to exist. So there's either A, another batch of this somewhere, B, he can kick, cook another one up, or C, he's bluffing. He's not going to do it. Well, the thing is, too... The Red Queen would have had the like the I guess you know the ingredients the way to make this mm-hmm. because scientists log everything. Yep. She would have known exactly what Alice needed to make a new one. Yeah, it's easier that this one's already made and ready to go. Spot armor. I know, but. Some plot armor you just can't get away with, though. Like, this was the stupidest excuse as to why Alice got captured. 
I don't see any other hero willingly going because I have the only vial of antivirus. Cool beans. I'll get another one. Blap. <laughs> I mean. Well, but with this, we don't know how far the Red Queen extends out to. Because if this if this facility falls, like when they blew it up, who knows if the anything's backed up elsewhere. I mean, we know where she's been elsewhere because she was in the Russia facility. Well, well, and she contacted Alice via fax machine. Mm-hmm. I was going to say she can reach out pretty far. She used the fax machine. Yeah, Plus, like I get what you're saying, though, Daniel, but I feel like she is like everywhere that there's anything umbrella related. Well, and who, and then also, what if she uploaded it somehow to a satellite? And it had umbrella satellites. She could have yeah. just put the data up there. And then pinged it to Alice's Galaxy S57 million SWAT wa- smart, Swatch Watch. Swatch Watch. Swatch Watch. Yeah, that mysteriously she now has, like, I don't remember her ever having that watch. She picked up off a former umbrella employee. That she mugged. I mean, that she could have. <laughs> Again, I feel like Alice's character learned absolutely zero lesson in using Umbrella products. It's everywhere. Remember the first uh, first movie? I get it, but like she's tracked via satellites at one point. She knows she's tracked via satellites. She disengages those satellites. She also knows umbrella equipment and troop movements are tracked via satellites for the first two movies. She knows all these things. Why do you keep using umbrella tech? Like, <laughs> I think she just gave up, like trying to fight it. If they're gonna find her, they're gonna find her. Yeah, I feel like after a while, I would get tired of it and just be like, whatever, just track me. Track me, baby. And then hope that you have the advantage. Yeah. Don't worry, I'm protected by plot armor. <laughs> I'm the main character. Oh, <laughs> uh, but I think with Isaac's Noah arc, Noah's arc, that even if the antivirus would have, like, if all humanity was destroyed, he he, he could have went into cryogenic, being cryogenically frozen again, and then just waited it out. Like, if there's still undead out there because eventually the undead would would cease because if they ran out of food I would assume that after so much of their food sources was gone they would not be able to quote survive yeah but we disproved that in the third movie when there were like basically skeletons yeah but still eventually time would be who's who's to say how long that power works down there they could just be cryogenically frozen for 50 plus years and then because we only had, what, 10 years, roughly, that's mm-hmm. passed. And some of them are getting real desiccated and everything. Give them more time, eventually. Because you could have the other BOWs might then start picking them off when there's no food source for them. But what if the BOWs start eating each other, like we've seen before as well? Eventually, you'll just have one Uber liquor. Exactly, and it's way worse. <laughs> I feel like, though... They would have released that antivirus before waking up. Yeah. Because that way, there's nothing to hurt them when they wake up. It's clean Mm -hmm. slate. Mm -hmm. That's another question it brings up, which is, 
you're telling me this one tiny vial that at the end of the movie, Alice says is going to take years to spread across the globe was your answer. That was their answer to when they wake up. We're just going to smash this one little glass vial here and we'll be fine in roughly eight to ten years. Well, probably what would have happened. They would have pro- they probably would have programmed the Red Queen to release it a couple years before they wake up. Okay. So if the Red Queen would have released it just say two, three years before it's they were scheduled to wake up, then it would have been around the world and been done and then they could have woken up. Because we know that the Red Queen would have been capable of doing so. Okay, well, that's fair enough. And she has to protect them only because she works for them. And honestly, I'm surprised they didn't have that antivirus in all of the Umbrella facilities because it would have released it that much quicker. Yeah. See, and that's what I was thinking they would have done was had all of the facilities with like a... A failsafe. Well, with a doomsday device kind of deal that's set to explode at a certain point when the Red Queen triggers it and it's it's basically just a doomsday antivirus that just blows up and if you got Tokyo, Russia, Germany, America, you got all these different places where it's exploding. I mean, it's not going to take eight years. It might take like eight hours with all the facilities they have and yeah. You know, I was thinking too with the Red Queen contacting Alice and saying you have 48 hours before all of humanity is dead. I was wondering, like, thinking was that when all of humanity was dead? Was that when the Red Queen was going to release the antivirus? That would have been the perfect time to. Everyone's dead. So now it's time to release this antivirus. So, you know, we don't have to worry about people still being alive. Yeah, but why would didn't she go against her work then? Like, because I know Isaac's was an issue, but if if they want to do a clean slate, she mostly has to follow the guidelines she set as. Why would she then ask Alice to save the rest of humanity if she's got potential people in this Noah's Ark? Well, I mean, even the Red Queen explained it with the whole, like, she didn't want... Basically, she didn't want the end of humanity. Mm-hmm. So she kind of went against... Well, and the thing is, is that she hinted at she still went with her programming because part of her programming was Dr. Isaacs. The other part of it was Alice. The real Alice. Well, yeah, she was modeled after Alicia Marcus. Mm-hmm. So part of that programming was Alicia and Alicia's ideology was to protect mankind. So she didn't go against it. She just had programming that conflicted, which gave her the ability to say to Alice, hey, in 48 hours, we're going to eliminate humans as you know it. And we're going to release the antivirus is what you're saying. No, it's just like a theory. Like, what well, if yeah. that's what was going to happen? What if after the end of that 48 hours and all humanity was dead was when she was programmed to release the antivirus? And it honestly makes the most sense of why she knows an exact time clock of when they're going to hit the last human encampment. Makes total sense. Yeah. So, I mean, 
the Red Queen was allowed to tell Alice because of the programming of protect humans. But she wasn't allowed to give her any aid beyond what she did because she has to follow Umbrella Directives. So she couldn't just go, hey, in this room at this place is where the antivirus is held in all the facilities or whatever. She had to be like, that's all I can tell you. <laughs> well, but she and she did very well of sticking to what the rules were because that's why Isaacs and Wesker and everyone was still alive because she couldn't hurt Umbrella employees. Which I just thought of this. Was Alice ever formally fired? No. She was technically an Umbrella employee the entire time. Where? In the hive? Totally. In the first one? Yeah. Yeah, she didn't hurt No, 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 but I, I just mean like, so she's been an employee this entire time, and then Wester's the only one we see get fired. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why Alice got help. That's her plot armor, because she's still an employee. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting with that, though, is that we never see her fired, but she is, her access is revoked to... Umbrella facilities and tech. We see that when she can't get access to certain areas, and we see it again when she can't use the bikes. <laughs> she wasn't fired. She was just. I feel like Alice quit. She quiet quit. <laughs> so maybe it's in their whole their contracts that says you know if you don't show up for three days, it's no three no call no shows. You're fired. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> I need to see Alice's employment record. I do love the fact, though, that they made Isaacs and Alicia equal. <laughs> so Alicia couldn't just fire Isaacs and end up having him killed the same way. The door. <sighs> Literally. <laughs> Alicia said, bitch, the door. <laughs> But how is it that Wesker forgot how to fight from the previous movies? What do you mean he forgot how to fight? Because the movie wasn't focused around Wesker. It was focused around yeah. Isaac. Remember, he had the super speed power. So you think the door coming down, he would immediately like, you know, flash out of there. Because <laughs> he didn't know the door was going to be his main opponent for this episode. I, I still think. That his leg and the door both had plot armor. Oh, heavy. Thick plot armor. <laughs> Clearly, it's very heavy since his fucking leg got chopped up. I, okay, so let's talk about that for a second here. That is ridiculous. Of all the, okay, Wesker, I love Wesker. He's like my favorite bad guy. Got taken out by a fucking door. A bitch way for a bitch man. No, he wasn't a bitch man. <laughs> He's fucking badass. I like Wesker. This Wesker's not a badass. Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> so, again, bitch man, bitch way to go. That's all their fault. They made this Wesker a bitch. I think mm -hmm. he should have been blown up like he was in the plane. Or was supposed to have been blown up in the plane. Like in something. Either he's stuck somewhere in the thing when the facility blows up or he's overwhelmed by zombies. It'd be one of those poetic justice, justice if B.O.W.s or something is what... Like, I could see him going down fighting. Like, even if it's B.O.W.s or something. 
Or like seeing him thrown into some lava. Some lava. <laughs> Turns out that's below the facility. There's a lava. There's a volcano below Raccoon City. Yeah. Chris punches a boulder at him. Wait, where's Chris at? He's not here. <laughs> It'd be Alice. She punches a boulder at him. Or Claire. Surprise, Chris survived. <laughs> Turns out Claire is now the swole one. And <laughs> That'd have been badass. Way to see Claire kill him. <laughs> Or they could have done Resident Evil 5 when you can kill Wesker with the knife in the volcano. Claire kills him with a knife. Somehow. You know. Yeah, that would have been cool. Then it would be more like the game. Except for he wouldn't have, you know, weird Ouroboros tentacles. He wouldn't be a weird hentai fantasy monster. (laughs) I just didn't like how they did that. I didn't like how they made him a bitch and I didn't like how they made a door take him out. Partially take him out, I mean. Well, yeah, it was a fatal injury that he, you know, just laid there. Well, and wouldn't a virus that he had from previous, wouldn't that at least, I would assume not cauterize the wound, but like coagulate his blood enough there, you would think it would stop him from bleeding out. Yeah, it would have. I would assume. Because it's the ver- if it's not the T virus, it's still similar to it, and I would think that that would, if it can regenerate you to where you can walk, I would think it would regenerate enough where your body's gonna close off your healing. Yeah, but that um, doesn't fit the story they wanted. So, well, there's that, and there's the fact that he was able to cure Alice. What makes you think he wasn't able to cure himself? Why would he? Because you heard him bitching about having to eat more and more while he was on the ship in the last one. But he doesn't complain. (laughs) He quit complaining. Because he got the cure. He quit complaining because he got the cure. Don't you try and (laughs) explain his complaining. All right. Well, let's wrap this uh, discussion part up with uh, one last note here. The ending. The final confrontation with Dr. Isaacs. Isaacs. How do you feel about that? I mean, I guess it was kind of like irony. Isaacs killing Isaacs? Yeah. (laughs) Well, to an extent, yeah. I thought it was cool how like zealot Isaacs just stabbed real Isaacs. Like, oh, fuck you. Stab, 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 stab. Straight up prison shanked him. <laughs> uh, I like the snap. I like the Isaacs snapped and was like, I'm not the fake one. It just fucking went ham. You know what? Was the Spider-Man meme around this time? Yes. Because it would have been great to have like way more Isaacs than that. <laughs> and then it would have been just that weird like Easter egg of you just see like four or five Isaacs just pointing at each other. (laughs) The funny thing to me, too, was that the religious zealot Isaacs knew about clones because he had said that, you know, the Isaacs from the previous movies was a clone. So he knew about clones. But he snapped that hard when the real Isaacs was like, you're a clone. Like, he super snapped and was like, what the, no the fuck, I'm not. But you already know about clones. Well, I think every Isaacs, or every clone is probably going to assume they're the original. So if the one from the previous movies would have been alive, 
and they would have done the Spider-Man confrontation. It would have been probably the argument of, no, I'm the original one. Right. I don't know. It just it was funny to me because it was just like this huge existential crisis that I feel like he would have already, you know, maybe not known that he was wasn't the original, but knew of the possibility for him to snap that hard. Like, no, no, no. It just it was weird to me. Maybe it's like a back to the future thing. You can't see yourself if you mess. If you encounter yourself, it just you just lose it. <laughs> Oh no, Alice seemed pretty fine. <laughs> I don't know. I think she was a little shaken up a little bit. Well, she was shaken up, but Look, she really millions of me. She was like, "Meh, I can work with this." Well, which movie are you referred to? The one in Moscow. Anytime she saw herself as a clone, because it was kind of like off-putting when she, in Extinction, when she saw like all the dead clones. Yeah, because she saw dead versions of herself. They were like. She's, they're killing me. But then when she got into the room with tons of herself and orbs, she's like, yes, badass army, let's go. She went through the stages of denial real fast. Mm, she did. Same thing happened when she found out she was basically just a clone of Alicia. She was like, oh no! Oh, oh, it's okay. It's alright. I'm gonna die anyway, so it's not even a big deal. I thought it was a nice touch, but weird but a nice touch that Alicia uploaded all of her childhood memories for Alice so she could even if they aren't her memories have memories of her childhood I think that was a nice touch it's kind of like passing the torch is the way I felt like you're the real Alice now like you're fully complete guess what you own 100% of Umbrella now (laughs) Enjoy the life that I could never truly have. I kind of yeah, it was it was a nice sweet touch. A little late though, because the whole world's fucking gone to shit. So, <laughs> hey, remember our childhood fondly while traveling the wastes that are populated by creatures that want to murder you. Only for a couple years. Only for a couple years. What I don't understand is why Alice took off at the very end of it alone. Yeah, what the why fuck? didn't Claire go with her? I I don't understand that. You are like legit probably the only two people fucking alive right now. Why the fuck take off at all? <laughs> well, I mean that well, cause her her work wasn't done. But why wouldn't you just take Claire with you and just stick together? Who fucking Wesker's not after you, Isaac's isn't after you anymore, like, stick together. Well, to mention, what do you mean your work's not done? You were already told by the Red Queen that the only human civilization left is already where you are. Well, I think because she was... No, because there was other ones over, like, overseas and stuff. Because Umbrella was attacking all at the same time. That's when she had the 48 hours. Yeah, I think she was, like, on her way to the other settlements to protect them against the B.O.W.s until the virus came and the antivirus came and you know I think that was her unfinished business but why wouldn't you bring Claire with you I didn't understand that I, why would you why wouldn't you bring Claire with you it's motorcycle seats one get your own <laughs> <laughs> that whole movie just gave me the a headache uh, it gave me the feeling of Hurry the fuck up, we gotta end this. We were told we can't make any more. <laughs> it's a very rushed ending. 
Yeah, the whole movie was rushed into this big cesspool of plot. At least with the other ones, they gave us time to fall in love with certain characters before they murdered them off. This one, it was literally, uh, meet your new crew. Uh, also, uh, they're all dead now. The end. Well, weren't we, didn't we already know that this was going to be the last one? Like, he knew. Yeah, but even in the other ones, like, the buildup was there. I got the money to make this movie. Let's end it. Uh, well, I mean, let's yeah. End it however we want. Yeah, and we already know he was just over this whole entire fucking yeah, thing. Yeah, he fucking so. was. Remember, he didn't want to be recognized as only this series, I think. That and with all of the uh, mishaps that happened with filming this, mm-hmm. he was just over it. I think they all were. Because Mila Jovovich didn't, go into act- didn't do any acting for a while after these. Monster Hunter. Yeah, but that was years later. Yeah, I'm just saying. Mila's back, baby. Yeah, I like Mila. But Monster Hunter was literally just Alice. Like, like her character in Monster Hunter was just Alice. Not my Monster Hunter. There was no need for her. Zero need for the U.S. military. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. We're, uh, we're done. We're not going to go on this. This is Resident, this is Resident Evil. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so with that being said, it's time for ratings. Ariel, what are you giving this? Yeah, I'm going to give this a two out of five. Leon's. I wasn't a fan of this movie at all. The plot was everywhere. The story was everywhere. Everything was everywhere and not in a good way. I still give it a two. Because there were some elements in it that I liked. I liked what they did with Alicia. Marcus. Claire was still a badass. You know, and just there was just a lot more I didn't like. I was not a fan of the final chapter at all. Too many plot holes. Too many, just everything was everywhere. I did like what I had said, and I did like them bringing in Bloodshot because it's something different. It's not a liquor, the Cerberus, a zombie. It was something different, a different BOW from you know six. So I liked that. Yeah, that's my rating. Danny boy. I think I'm going to go with three out of five Rebecca's. Medium story. Lots of action. Definitely got to see what the Capepio could do for the most part. Like there was a whole that whole scene I think was pretty expected. Even if the Claymore wouldn't have done what it did. It did for the story. <laughs> But yeah, other than that, and then, of course, Bloodshot having the two BOWs. Of course, I like the Cerberus, but I don't know why they just didn't jump in the water, too. <laughs> Instead of acting Dead like... dogs can't swim. <laughs> well, they acted like real dogs and was like, nope, can't go in the water. <laughs> water apparently has the antivirus in it or something. <laughs> but no, I give it like three out of five. I think they could have done better. There was, like Ariel said, some plot holes they should have filled in or not even allowed to happen and then other stuff they they should have figured a different way to do it like 
maybe Wester's death differently. Yeah. But you still could have killed him off. I know older movies used to be the bad guys always were supposed to get what was coming to him. That was the thing with Hollywood. And now a bad guy can live, but yeah, Wesker, I I think with what they did, they should just let him live. <laughs> it's even worth the death that they mm-hmm. gave him. But yeah, anyways, that's three out of five, Rebecca's. Rebecca's. All right, before I say this, I want to say, would I watch this again? Probably through my uh, phone screen. I'll wait for the parts that I enjoyed, which was mostly the fan scene. Uh, (laughs) One out of five hunks. It was just hot garbage. There's not a lot I can say positive about this, except for the death scene is pretty cool. And, uh, I mean, the lava that is that trickles down. Sorry. The gasoline. Gasoline. Gasoline? The gasoline. The giant flaming lava gasoline mix that they dumped on him. That was pretty cool. But other than that, I mean, yeah, just rush from point A to point B. Trash most of the way through. I just, I'm disappointed in you, Paul. (laughs) But I'm understanding. I get it. So, yeah. One out of five for the hunk. But watch it if you haven't watched it before. I will say that much. Mm. But that's it. We're done with this episode. And we're done with the Paul Anderson movies. So what's next, guys? So what we're going to do next is we're going to take a little bit of break, a tiny break from the movies and series. We're going to dive into the RE4 remake. We're going to do an episode on the remake, and then we're going to do an episode on comparisons from the remake and the original. And after that, we're going to dive right back into movies with Welcome to Raccoon City. And we're going back to that? We have to. We haven't covered it. So I was rather done the Netflix series. No, anyway. we're going to do Welcome to Raccoon <laughs> City. We're going to do movies, and then we'll go on to the series. So... <laughs> Because we have the Rebecca series to cover at 1.2. And the Netflix series, so. Yep, that is what's coming up next. RE4 Remake and Comparison Episode. Well, until next time, thank you all for listening. Tune in next week. Bye. Hi there. Thanks for joining us tonight on the Resident Evil Lurecast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell a friend. Leave a comment and a review. If you want to keep chatting with us about all things Resident Evil, you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also chat with us at RE Lurecast on Twitter. Till next time, stay safe out there. And remember, we might have something that might interest you, stranger. Hi, welcome to Three Count Thoughts. Let me introduce the crew real quick. Hi, I'm Maverick Stone. I'm Rumor. And I'm Jaxus. 
Join us as we talk all things wrestling. Each week, we'll take a topic from the wrestling world, knock it around a bit, and then go over the week in wrestling from a strictly fan perspective. We can be found on all major podcast catchers. We can also be found at 3 Count Thoughts on both YouTube and Twitter. Or you can send us an email using 3 Thoughts at gmail.com. Okay, are you ready? Ring the bell. <laughs>